when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Welcome to Global Change Agents with me, Liana Brinded, the Digest Edition, a podcast brought to you by Yahoo Finance UK. You can watch a full version of this interview by heading over to yahoo.co.uk forward slash change agents. Joining me today is Esther Wojcicki, a journalist and award-winning educator who has been dubbed the godmother of Silicon Valley. The mother of YouTube CEO Susan, 23andMe founder Anne, and anthropologist Janet, Esther is one of the foremost experts in preparing children and adults to succeed. So Esther, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, it's fantastic you joining us here all the way in London, back from Silicon Valley. Yes. And so tell me a bit about your childhood and, of course, how that shaped you later on. I grew up in a sort of an impoverished environment because my parents were immigrants to the United States from Russia. And so my father was an artist. And as a result, you know, artists don't earn a lot of money. And so we didn't have a lot of money. And um, unfortunately, um, you know, he went from the east to the west. Go west, young man. See if you can find your outcome, your life. And um, it didn't work out quite the way he planned it to work out. And so I had a somewhat difficult childhood. Um, there was a tragedy that happened when I was about 10 years old. And I had a third brother, or third, there was a third child in front of a second brother named David. And he was in the kitchen playing with a bottle of aspirin on the floor. And it was prior to the days when they had child safety caps. So he opened this bottle and then he ate it. And you, you would think it'd be terrible, but he ate it. And then my mother, not knowing what to do, being an immigrant, called the doctor and said, well, what should I do? You know, my child just did this. And she said, uh, or the doctor said, um, put him to bed and see how he is in a few hours. Well, any sort of thinking person would know that that's not the right thing to do. But my mother just believed what he said. And so she put him to bed. In a few hours, he was really violently ill. And as a result, um, we took him to a hospital. It was a local community hospital where they pumped his stomach. But they wouldn't keep him. But he was still really ill. So we went from hospital to hospital. In the U.S., you know, you don't get free medical care. And so he wasn't accepted in any of the other hospitals because we didn't have proof of payment. So by the fourth hospital, they finally accepted him, but then it was unfortunately too late and he died. So this impacted my life as a child. I didn't realize it as a child, what was really going to be happening. I just realized what a tragedy had happened. But what the long-term result of that is that I didn't believe anybody in authority. Whenever an authority figure told me something, I just always felt I had to check it out. I had to make sure that they were right. And it was kind of a life or death issue, you know. And like I said, it wasn't conscious. It was an unconscious thing. And so that impacted the way that I brought up my children and the way that I taught as a teacher because I was always wanting them to be able to think and being able to question authority and being well able to be independent. And I think if I think back on it, 
that is one of the reasons why I question the whole education system. Is like, is it really doing what it should be doing for students? You know, is parenting really doing what it should be doing for parenting? Are we bringing up a generation of kids that are dependent on their parents? Or are we bringing up a generation of kids that can think independently and feel good about themselves? So that was, that's my background. And um, I was lucky to get a full scholarship to University of California, Berkeley. I applied to one school and I went, fortunately got into that one school. And um, I got a graduate degree in journalism. And the reason that I did that was because I really, again, wanted to protect the underdog. That was my goal. It's like, I want to write your story. I want to make sure that everybody hears the story about what you want to say, but you maybe don't have the tools to do it. So whether you were questioning authority consciously or unconsciously, especially when you were still a child yourself and going through school, how did you forge your own path and how did you actually establish those grounds to explore or question things when you're taught at a very early age that you always listen to your parents no matter what they say and you always follow whatever the teachers um, instruct you to do? Well, I was just a rebel, <laughs> a maverick. And I did not always follow what they said I should do. Um, so that got me into trouble sometimes. And I think that, you know, kids that don't follow the beaten path, you know, parents get upset about that. But those are the ones that are the free thinkers. Those are the ones that might be making change for society. So, you know, I don't think parents should get upset when their child is not following the path and doing, you know, 100% on their tests and things like that. I, we want people that think independently and that are able to, you know, solve the problems we have here on this planet. So some of the other things that I did, you know, in high school, I was, I went to a school where it was so crowded that they had to have two different sessions for the students. So the first group went from 7 to 11.30 and the second group went from 12 to 4. And that's because the building, they didn't have enough facilities. And so I think I might have been the only student in the school that requested permission to go to both sessions. Nobody else ever, I don't think. I'd had no competition because they said yes right away. And uh, the advantage to me is that I got to take twice as much stuff and I got to learn more. This, I didn't realize that I was trying to protect myself. I just realized I wanted to know as much as I could about the world so that I could be independent and protect myself and protect whoever was around me. And, um, you know, like I said, being in journalism, you know, the journalist, really, journalists have the front row seat on life. You ask all the questions. You're there when things are happening. And that's part of the reason why I think journalism is a curriculum for all students. All students need to have this kind of a skill. They shouldn't be afraid to ask a question and then get that information and then decide for themselves whether that information is valid and uh, be able to write about it. This is one of the reasons why I teach journalism and why I think these skills are skills for all students for the 21st century, because we're all journalists. Everybody's producing stuff on their phones today, everywhere. And we have this opportunity, and so we should have the ethics and the skills and the know-how how to do it in a way that matters for all of us, so that we're not promoting things that are, not, that are fake 
the Wojcicki HQ, you would say, was, is, is in Silicon Valley. And it, there's very much of the DNA of, um, you know, innovation. It's tech orientated. And obviously, even when it comes to um, the Palo Alto High School with all the journalism program, that's very innovative, too. But for all other parts of the world um, where it's not as concentrated with that kind of DNA, um, how would you say about when we talk about creativity, that tech needs to be part of that? I suppose in the wider space and in other industries, especially across businesses and those looking into early child development programs. There's been a lot of fear around screen time, how they, that affects children. And of course, there seems to be this kind of notion that technology is bad for kids. Do you think there needs to be, I suppose, an education on an adult level on how to integrate technology into the development of children? Well, I think that's the number one concern for most parents today is how to develop, how to use technology in a way that's intelligent with their kids. And so they're afraid that their kids are using too much technology and that they don't know what the outcome is. Well, I'm worried too. And so my recommendation is very limited technology up until age five. As a matter of fact, no technology before the age of two. And then after that, it could be maybe an hour a day. And during that time, it can be, you can set up the pattern already with the kids, saying, here's a choice. Here are a few things that you might want to do. And so you pick one, and I'll pick one. So you're setting up this pattern of collaboration with your child early on, even before the age of five. And then after five, of course, they get even smarter, right? And so how do you pick what they are going to be watching? Because some kids just want to play games all the time. And so you need to explain that one hour they pick, one hour you pick. And, you know, as they get, I think, older, maybe it can be a little bit more time. But it's important for them to realize that it's a collaboration. And that's why it starts early in childhood. And in high school, maybe a lot of their stuff is going to be online learning. So Khan Academy, for example, or other things that, where they want to learn um, you know, Google has an explorations, Google explorations, 3D, and you buy this little cardboard thing for $5 and then kids can travel around the world. So there's a lot of great stuff. So I don't want to limit it. I just want to curate it so that we can make it a really great experience for the child and take advantage of the, this tech world that we all live in. So when it comes to parenting, one of the things that really uh, stood out, especially in the foreword when your daughters wrote, was um, the amount of fun and silliness. Part of um, they, the, what was coming out is that having that kind of aspect of fun throughout their whole childhood from an authority figure, from parents like yourself, um, made a huge difference. Do you find that fun and silliness is all part and parcel of being successful? Uh, yes, I do think fun and silliness is part of being successful because it's part, it's a sense of humor. You know, everything in life, there's a lot of things that don't go right. And you can either cry about them or you can laugh about them. Or perhaps you can do a combination of both. So I do tend to be pretty silly most of the time. And, um, and I, it's gotten me into a lot. It's been fun. I have a great time doing it. And uh, my daughters wrote about this in the introduction. I guess they just saw me. You know, I, w I had been at Target, which is one of my 
favorite stores in the U.S. And um, they had a hot dog costume there. I could not resist. I am not kidding. So I put it on. I dressed up like a hot dog. That was in, just in time for Halloween, right? And then I took a picture of myself or had somebody do that and then posted it on Facebook. Why not, you know? Um, but that is the kind of thing that I think it's fun to do things like that. And in class, I do a lot of fun things all the time. I mean, the students never know what to expect. And, but then that engenders fun on their behalf. You know, they do things that are fun, too. So when you're in a fun environment, you think of fun things to do as well. And so why not make it fun? Um, you know, I just flew here last night. You know, I arrived at 1.30. And so I did everything I could to make this morning fun. And it has been fun. I took my picture with a very large blue gorilla. And... Um, <laughs> I'm at not Gatwick. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, no, it was another another place where the but I saw this large blue fuzzy was not alive, right? It was a statue. Um, but I think life can be fun if you don't take it so seriously. It's important remember to that you know be an optimist. I mean, the alternative is worse. And you, you, you've achieved so much in your life and career, but what would you say has been the proudest moment for you? Well, the proudest moments, I think, for me are um, my daughters and their achievements. And, you know, when I gave birth to all of them, you know, that was exciting for me to have daughters and be a mother. I had a great time being a mother. And... But I never expected them to rise to the positions they have today in the world. And I'm very proud of what they've done. And I'm very proud of Susan and what she's doing with YouTube. And it's a very difficult path to follow. But it's, she's blazing a path in the 21st century. Nobody else has done it. And then Janet is doing the same thing in pediatrics and diet and medicine and what what. How do we keep our children healthy? And then Anne with 23andMe, you know, understanding your genetics and how that impacts you and can you make a difference in your life by understanding your DNA? Turns out, yes, you can. And it's an important thing. So I'm really proud of them for, you know, being on these paths that they pick themselves and they're trying to make the world a better place. And I mean, that's what we should all be doing. So I'm, I'm thrilled to have amazing daughters and amazing students. And I thank you for, in, for inviting me here and letting me talk about it. Well, thank you very much for coming. <laughs> it's been an incredibly inspirational interview. So thank you very much. Oh, the pleasure. Thanks for listening to Global Change Agents with me, Liana Brinded, produced by Yahoo Finance UK. A full version of this interview can be found at yahoo.co.uk forward slash change agents. And for more information, go to uk.finance.yahoo.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.